1: We have to recognize that salvation ultimately must come from the Lord, that God brought all of this about by His own power, and there was no human effort involved. That's Pastor Leighton Sheely,
0: and this is another edition of Verse by Verse, taking a look at what God's Word says one verse at a time. And I'm Mike Trout. If you're a new listener, you'll find us on the web at highlands.us. You can also give us a call at 650-873-4095. We're continuing today our look at the doctrines of the church. Some are foundational, and others are secondary. We tend to squabble over those and end up in buildings on different corners. And Pastor Layton is going to talk about those secondary doctrines for the next few minutes.
1: Lord, as we now turn our attention to Your Word, and we ask You to, to be our teacher and to transform the way we think and speak and act, by the power of your word and your, and your spirit at work within us, I ask you, Lord, to give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech this day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going through a sermon series entitled Doctrine, and Doctrine is the Christian truth that has been passed from generation to generation since the time of the apostles. The word itself, doctrine, means teaching. It's what has been taught by the Christian church universally. Sometimes the word is used to apply to the teaching of a specific denomination or a specific church. Uh, doctrine and systematic theology are related. Systematic theology involves the collecting and, and uh, understanding of relevant passages in the Bible on various topics and then summarizing those teachings uh, so that we know what to believe about each topic. Now one of the reasons that religious fads are on the rise in America is that so many Americans don't know what the Bible says. They don't know Christian doctrine. They can't differentiate between core doctrines and secondary doctrines or even passing fads. Now the doctrines that the Christian church have held since the time of the apostles for the last 2,000 years, which have defined Christianity, are sometimes called the cardinal, or core, or essential, or foundational uh, doctrines. And there's also some secondary doctrines as well, where various church leaders through the centuries have had differing opinions and Uh, That's been true throughout the centuries. It's true today. Now, what are these core essentials of the faith? Well, we decided that a good place to start was the uh, early church, because uh, in those early centuries, some of the most brilliant biblical scholars, the leaders of the early church, got together in councils to study what the Bible had to say and to summarize what it uh, taught about various topics in statements of faith that are called creeds. So creeds are basic summaries of what the Bible teaches about various topics. And one of the earliest of those creeds was the Apostles' Creed. And the Apostles' Creed reads, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried... He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic, meaning universal, church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the flesh, and life everlasting. Amen. There are 14 essential Christian doctrines That are contained in the Apostles' Creed, and they are God's unity, God's triunity, human depravity, Christ's virgin birth, Christ's sinlessness, Christ's deity, and Christ's humanity, the necessity of God's grace, the necessity of faith, Christ's atoning death, bodily resurrection, bodily ascension, intercession, and second coming. Now in the first of the sermon of the series we introduced this subject of doctrine and underscored how important it was for us to have sound doctrine. In the second sermon of the series we focused on the Bible because it is from the Bible that we receive sound doctrine. The third sermon of the series we began our focus on God and we learned first off that God is incomprehensible. You see, He's infinite, we're finite, and it is not even possible for something that's finite to contain what's infinite. We can never know everything there is to know about God. We also learn that God is a triunity, or a trinity. The summary, uh, there's three statements that summarize what the Bible teaches about God. It, God is three persons. Each person is fully God. There is one God. God is three persons, each person is fully God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There is one God. Theologians describe God as one in essence and three in person. And then in the fourth sermon uh, of the series we're reminded that the goal is to know God, not just know about God, but in order to, to know somebody you've got to know something about Him. If you, if you say, I know so and so, and, and you don't know anything about them, you don't know where they came from, what they like, what they dislike, you don't really know them at all. And so for us to be able to know somebody, we need to know about that person. So we talked about the attributes, the characteristics, the revelations we have of God. But again, our goal is not to know about God. Our goal is to know God. Now today we're going to continue our study of God. But today we're going to study focusing on the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. Now the Apostles' Creed identifies several doctrines concerning Jesus, His virgin birth, his sinlessness, his deity, his humanity, his atoning death, his bodily resurrection, bodily ascension, intercession, and second coming. Now these are the doctrines that predate the Reformation, Eastern Orthodoxy, and the Roman Catholic distinctives. Now the Bible clearly teaches that Jesus was born of a virgin. Luke's Gospel reports in 1 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Matthew's gospel records, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Uh, When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame... Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the Bible is very, very clear that Jesus was born of a virgin named Mary. Now, why is that? Well, there's a number of reasons. One of them is given very clearly here. In Matthew's gospel, this was done to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. In the Old Testament there's over 300 descriptions that God gave of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ fulfilled. And the reason He did that was so that we would not miss it when Jesus Christ the Savior came into the world. He gave us clear descriptions and this was done to fulfill what the Lord had spoken. Jesus Christ is the only person that's ever lived that has been born of a virgin. Now there's some real importance to this in a number of areas... One of the areas is that we have to recognize that salvation ultimately must come from the Lord, that God brought all of this about by His own power and there was no human effort involved. The virgin birth is an unmistakable reminder that salvation can never come through human effort, but must be the work of God Himself. And then there's also something else that's related to the virgin birth that's really important for us to understand, and that is that it made possible the uniting of deity and humanity in one person. It made possible the uniting of deity and humanity in one person. Now, if you consider the alternatives, the other possibilities, it kind of becomes a little more apparent why this is necessary. Let's let's say, for instance, that, that God had decided to, instead of giving Jesus an earthly parent and a heavenly parent, to give him no earthly parents at all. And so God God created Jesus in heaven and sent Him to earth. Then He wouldn't be a human at all, would He? He would literally, by definition, be an alien. And as such, He couldn't represent us in any fashion. Or, what's another alternative? Another alternative is that God gave Jesus two parents. In which case then, how would we distinguish Him from the Old Testament prophets, who had two parents, upon whom or in whom the Spirit of God resided mightily? How would we distinguish Jesus from those Old Testament prophets? And so you can see how Jesus was unique and that he was the only one who's ever been born of the virgin. Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. You see, we were alienated from God by sin and we needed someone to bring us back together with God, to bring us to God. We needed a mediator and they had to represent us to God and they needed to represent God to us. And there's only one person who has perfectly fulfilled that requirement. 1 Timothy 2.5 says there's one God and there's one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. In order to perfectly fulfill this role, Jesus had to be fully God and fully man. Fully God, fully man. let's look at Christ's deity and then Christ's humanity. Clearly, Scripture tells us that Jesus was God. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Hebrews 1.3 says the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. "...sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven." Jesus was fully God. And you know, only someone infinite like God could bear the full penalty of all of the sins of all of the people who have ever lived. Any finite creature would have been incapable of bearing such a penalty. Jesus was fully God. And the Bible also tells us he was also fully human.
0: Some of us who have been in the church for a number of years may find this teaching familiar, but maybe you've not made these understandings your own. What I mean by that is you've simply accepted them without further study and research, and that is exactly what Pastor Layton is providing. And if you'd like to review the past programs in this series, you'll find them on our website at Highlands. Dot US. That's Highlands.us. If you're a parent thinking about a Christian education for your child or your children, let me recommend that you investigate Highlands Christian Schools. They've been providing an outstanding education for over 60 years, a learning experience where faith and education converge. You can access their website through Highlands.us or give them a call at 650 873 4090. That's 650-873- 4090. I'm Mike Trout, inviting you back tomorrow for more Study Verse by Verse.